But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those that curse you, pray for those that abuse you. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is really very simple. In order to follow Jesus, we need only do one thing, and it seems from this reading today that that one thing is do everything different. Seriously, that is it. It is really that simple. We simply need to do most everything differently than we might otherwise. Then we might otherwise say if we weren't followers of Jesus. So rather than fight your enemy, love your enemy. Rather than doing bad things to those who hate you, do good to those that hate you. Rather than returning the curse, Bless those that curse you. So speaking of cursing, it was a random Tuesday, and I was driving from work to get my daughter from school in West Asheville. I was trying to get out of Biltmore Village and was attempting to make a left turn. As I sat in my car about to turn left, Another car turned right in front of me. The driver cut me off with a sharp quickness that almost put me in serious harm's way. I was furious, and without a thought, I began to yell rather loudly. (laughs) I said some things that made me glad my daughter was not yet in the car with me. It was a warm day, and so my windows were down. (laughs) You all see where this is going, right? Okay. As I sat stewing in my self-righteous indignation, I glanced over and I saw the shocked face of a pedestrian waiting patiently to cross the street. It was then, mid-fist-raising snarl, that I realized I had on my clerical collar. (laughs) I smiled sheepishly at the patient pedestrian as I sank a bit into my seat, my righteous indignation quickly turning to a burning shame. As I drove a bit slower than before, I imagined what might have been going through that poor onlooker's mind. I felt deeply aware that I would never get to explain myself to them and that they were now left with my outburst of temper as their final and complete picture of my character. There are days when I go about my human business, my day-to-day life, engaging and making choices in response to the many various situations and events that happen to me and around me. And then suddenly the thought crosses my mind, oh my God, I'm a Christian. 
After 34 years of being a confirmed follower of Jesus and after nine years of working in the church and being a priest, I would say that even still, the work I hear Jesus calling me into much more often than not goes against my first initial impulse. I feel confident that I am basically a good person and I try and live well. But honestly, it is not my first impulse to love my enemy. It is not my first impulse to give to everyone who begs of me. And yet here is Jesus asking me to always do just that, to live differently. As I reflect on the choice I made in the car that day to curse the person who turned in front of me, I wonder what was the foundation of that choice And was it really even a choice? Last weekend, I was attending the Racial Equity Institute training to dismantle white supremacy. To begin the weekend-long training, the teachers talked with us about how our brains work and how implicit bias and prejudgment is often acted out. They explained that our brains are mostly functioning on autopilot, Most of what we do daily, most choices we make stem from the part of our brain that holds information that we've been taught so way back and that we have acted on so often, we don't even need to consciously think about it before we do it anymore. The reality is most of what we do every day is unconscious because it is so deeply ingrained in us. Biases work this way. The things we are biased to or against are often so deeply ingrained in us that we act on them without any conscious thought whatsoever. Knowing this, I think that day when the person cut me off, my implicit bias, my prejudgment was this, that they were thoughtless and unkind and selfish. And those unconscious assumptions led me to act out of anger and perhaps even more deeply to act out of fear. I was afraid and for good reason, the choice of that driver to cut me off put me in proximity to real danger and so I felt afraid. Feeling fear and anger made a lot of sense in that context. And yet the feeling was not the issue. The issue was how I chose to act on those feelings. And in acting out without conscious thought, I behaved in a way that lacked integrity. My choice in that moment lacked integrity because my behavior did not exemplify my deepest values or my true identity. There are days I simply say to myself, oh my God, I am a Christian. In our gospel today, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in a gathered crowd. This crowd of people are deeply afraid. They are living under powers that put them in proximity to real danger daily. And so Jesus says, blessed are you that are hungry Blessed are you that grieve. Blessed are you when people hate you. Yours is the kingdom of God. 
These words would be a great comfort to those suffering, to those who feel abandoned and abused, forgotten and uncared for. And yet, everything about these statements from Jesus goes against what the world teaches us, what we may hold as true in our unconscious minds. Jesus is telling the fearful people gathered, do not be afraid. Jesus is assuring them because he wants them to make decisions, not from fear, but from a place of confidence that they are loved and blessed by God. Jesus offers first this comfort to the poor, and then in Luke's account, Jesus offers a striking challenge to those that may feel a bit too comfortable already. Jesus calls them out of their false comfort and says, woe to you. Jesus comforts and challenges in Luke's version because in Luke's version, Jesus follows the Beatitudes with a clear call to action for all gathered and listening. Jesus says, love your enemy, pray for those that abuse you, give to all who ask of you, treat others as you want to be treated. Jesus comforts and challenges before offering these action steps because he knows he has to move his disciples and the gathered crowd out of their unconscious, thoughtless reactions of fear or false comfort if they are to live in this new and radically different way. So to live this golden rule, to live such a radically new way as Jesus commands, Before we can act differently, we must think differently. And this work of changing the way we think is hard. It's hard to do because, well, it's hard to do. It's difficult to change deeply ingrained thought patterns and unconscious prejudgments and biases, but that hard work is exactly what Jesus is asking of us. Now, my cursing a driver may seem a small sin, but I'm a big believer in the adage that the way we do anything is the way we do everything. My feeling anger or fear in that moment was not the problem. The problem was my lack of discipline in thinking and then acting consciously. And that consciousness is key if we are to follow Jesus. So the question becomes, can we slow down enough to begin by changing the way we think so that we can be conscious followers of this radically different way of Jesus? Today, as we celebrate the Feast of All Saints and All Souls, we have an opportunity to slow down and ground ourselves in the fearless examples of the saints gone before us. The reason that we place these pictures at the altar on this day is not to simply lament the loss of these great souls, but rather to exclaim they are still among us. And when we listen to their stories, we will hear our calling to live in a radically new and different way. 
One of the saints pictured here today is the Reverend Allison Cheek, who died earlier this year. In the picture at the base of the altar, she's being held up by two men following her irregular ordination to the priesthood. Irregular because it would be two years from that date in 1974 that women would legally be allowed to be ordained in the Episcopal Church. Allison, along with 10 other women, would be ordained and would serve as priests or deacons because they felt called to ordination and persisted in their demand that they were in fact called and in fact capable of those roles. Allison said in an interview several years ago, I heard God say to me, I want you to be my priest. She went on to say, it was such a powerful experience, I never considered giving up. Reverend Cheek didn't give up or give in to what would be, I think, the first impulse of anger or fear in the face of such criticism and exclusion. But Reverend Cheek and the other women and the bishop that ordained them persisted in the face of all of that to live differently. When presented with the invitation to the ordination before it was made legal to do so, Allison stated, when the opportunity to go to Philadelphia ordination came, I thought, well, if they toss me out, at least I'll go witnessing to what I believe about the gospel and about women's appropriateness for being priests and being true to what I believed. Reverend Cheek knew the possible outcome. She knew that she might never serve the church as a priest if she took the risk to live differently that day but she did take the risk, and Reverend Cheek became the first woman to publicly celebrate the Eucharist. And because she did accept that invitation and take that risk that day, I and Naomi and Glinda stand here with you today. Yesterday, hundreds gathered to celebrate Allison's life at St. Philip's in Brevard. They gathered to remember Allison but also to remember who they are and how they are called to live. So today we say thank you, Allison Cheek, and to all the saints gone before us who are among us now, saints that you and I can hold close as we strive to live with integrity this fearless way of Jesus. And if we listen, the saints continue to comfort and challenge us to live consciously, remembering who we are, a people made new in Jesus Christ, called to live in a radically different way. Amen.